This is Mark Porter, the CTO of MongoDB, on his personal journey from relational databases to MongoDB. I am a relentless tech geek. I've loved tech my whole life. In fact, my my Twitter handle is Mark Loves Tech. I have used databases since I was 14 with uh, some really ancient technologies. Started out on a 4K TRS-80 Model 1 computer. We had to program it in assembly language because there wasn't enough memory to use the local basic copy. And I very quickly got into databases and I was talking to someone the other day and he pointed out something I'd never noticed, which is I've oscillated between using databases and building databases. So I started out at Caltech and NASA using databases for space data and uh, chip data. And then I built databases at Oracle versions five, six, seven, eight for about 13 years. And then I used databases at News Corp for huge student data systems. And then I built databases at Amazon with Amazon RDS and Aurora. Then I moved to Grab Taxi, which is the Uber of Southeast Asia, and used databases to deliver 15 million rides and meals a day. And then came back to MongoDB, and here I am building databases again. I frankly mm. can't get away from the stick of <laughs> I love that story. I wonder, does that mean that you know, at each point you had some sort of frustration or saw some sort of like opportunity for innovation, you know, you kind of would build something, then you'd be the user of it. Then you'd realize that like the next sort of turn of the wheel was coming as you move between those jobs were new paradigms and databases emerging. Yeah. I mean, it's been really interesting. Half my career, I've been the bow and half my career, I've been the target. And I got to tell you <laughs> that sometimes as a customer, you're not really happy being the target of what has been produced. Look, the reality is, is relational databases have been the, the modus operandi since 1970 when Cod first did his paper. And then Oracle was the first company that released them in 1979. They were actually known as relational technology back then and then changed their name later to Oracle. So the mission criticality of databases has never been in doubt. What has changed is the amount of data, the way we process that data, and what's really, really important and it used to be duplication of data was important and things like that. And, and while that's still important, what's really important now is developer productivity. Bar none, mm -hmm. that is job one for any mission critical software company is developer productivity and innovation. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It does seem like data has become almost this uh, overwhelming force for some companies. Ryan, I don't know if you have experience with this, but I, I've been getting a lot of pitches and, and talking with folks on the podcast and, you know, it's gone from we're using data to we have data lakes and there's a data iceberg. And, you know, we're only sort of scratching the surface of what we might be able to do with this sort of endless flow of unstructured data that we're collecting. Uh, and as you mentioned, yeah, a lot of times what they're looking to do is understand it in a way that allows them to enhance productivity or automate certain processes, which right now are very time labor intensive. Yeah. At uh, my, my previous job, I uh, worked out an article about data pipelines, you know, ETL processes and that. And like, there's a becoming a separation, I think, between your production database and the database you use to gain insights. Right, the, mm. the production database has to be fast, but the insight database it can be a little more, you know, flexible in how it produces data. Right. Yeah. So we think about systems of record. We think about systems of insight, and yeah, I mean, definitely different people want to do different things with the databases. And so what we do is we think about personas. Are you an analyst? Are you a developer? Are you an AI? ML engineer? Are you a PhD data scientist? We always try to come at it from the customer and what they want to accomplish. 
Yeah, I think that's so interesting because as you said, obviously databases have always been part of working in the world of software and computers, but increasingly there are these specialties that are very important and which are producing these really interesting results that themselves are devoted to data as opposed to it being something that you know needs to be part of the larger process. And um, so Mark, I wanted to touch on something which is that you had uh, part of your career at AWS, which now you know has grown into quite quite a behemoth. Um, yeah, just wondering if you can talk to us a little bit about what you learned there and maybe how some of that applies to the role you have at, at MongoDB today. Yeah, so I joined AWS as the general manager of AWS RDS, which at that time was probably the largest fleet of databases in the world. And that fleet grew just tremendously while I was there. It was, it was amazing. You know, just showing that it's not just databases, it was managed databases that mattered. So RDS did not build any of its own databases. RDS vended, by the time I left, over a million, significantly more than a million, Postgres, MySQL, MariaDB, Oracle, and SQL Server databases. And so the product that we produced was managing those databases. And people love it when their database stays up when the backups and restores work, when you can change parameters, when failover works and all those things. However, over time, as much as I loved running those databases, I became frustrated with how they were shackles almost on customer innovation and customer operability. And so we developed this system called Amazon Aurora, which changed out the storage system underneath Postgres and MySQL. Obviously, we couldn't do that for the commercial databases. And we made those databases so much more resilient, so much more durable, so much more available. But we kept running into the fundamental limits of a rigid architecture, of high failover times, and a single primary architecture, which meant that the blast radius of a system going down or a plan changing in Oracle database, I mean, takes down a whole company. And I can talk more about availability. In fact, you'll have trouble stopping me talking about availability if you get me started. I mean, that's that's the uh, the big thing about uh, NoSQL is, is availability, right? The replicability, the speed of access. Yeah, for, for folks who don't know, let, let's lay out the value prop here. Like, what is sort of the difference between the two and why would you prefer one over the other? You know, you mentioned shackles. I love that word. But yeah, you know. What are the limitations that it allows you to avoid when you when you move to a NoSQL? And I guess, you know, to the degree that it makes sense, yeah, talk a little bit about availability, or I guess, you know, what I would say is almost like how robust your system can be. So I do think availability is really important, but from just from a value prop point of view, the main reason that NoSQL was started was multiple things. Number one was this platform availability. I actually think you guys had a podcast with Elliot about a year and a half ago, where he talked about the founding of MongoDB. And I will give a shameless plug for one of your other podcasts, which, which is a great podcast that Elliot did. And you know, in it, he talked about the fact that they wanted to do 400,000 transactions per second, and there was no way they could do it. But along the way, they did something even more important, which is they developed the document model. And the document mm -hmm. model is just a natural way to program. When you want to add a field to a NoSQL application, that you're writing, you just add it in your code, in your struct or in your, in your structure in Java or Go or Rust or whatever, and the database automatically starts having that field. So it's not just about availability. Now, mm -hmm. to get to your point about availability, MongoDB uses what's called a sharding architecture or a replica set architecture, where you can't actually configure a MongoDB that doesn't have three nodes. And those nodes automatically do elections and they automatically start up. 
And as opposed to relational databases where failover is measured in 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 90 minutes, 10 seconds, failover in MongoDB is measured in single-digit seconds. Our P99.9 election time in our Atlas service is less than seven seconds. And why Mm. is that important? Because when an app is down for three to five to seven seconds, people go, huh, huh, what happened? What's going on on my phone? When it's down for 60 seconds, they've already visited another website to complete their purchase. And so there's a fundamental difference. So the ability to stay up and the ability to, to be available is thing one. The second ability is the ability to scale without limit. We have customers running a petabyte in MongoDB clusters and with over a thousand nodes. You just can't do that with the relational. Even Aurora, which I just got to tell you, I love deeply because I helped architect it. You have one writable master or primary and up to 15 read replicas. And if you run out of the ability of that master or primary to take writes, you're done. You got to now split your database and do crazy stuff. So those were the fundamental premises of databases. So, but the thing that's really missing there is that Developers love databases, but developers do so much more than just store and retrieve data. Developers want to do graphs. Developers want to do analytics. Developers want to have a connection to their mobile device. They they want to do all this. So what we're doing at MongoDB, and sorry for the brand plug, but I, I'm pretty passionate about it, <laughs> is we're building an application data platform where the correspondence between what we produce and our main persona, the developer, we're trying to get to 100%. I think this conversation was exceptional, not just because one of the key criticisms of MongoDB is always from the SQL folks who just say that in the MongoDB script kiddies don't really know SQL well enough, so they pick MongoDB. This is a guy who definitely knows SQL and is still in love with MongoDB. But also, this is a CTO who is clearly in love with the technology that his company represents. And I think there's just not enough of those. I see so many resting investing CTOs who are basically completely checked out and not really inspirational leaders for the company. And I think there should be more CTOs there exactly like Mark Porter.